We invited to share a little bit about um, our life and how yeah, God also guided us here to Global. Um, I actually really love to hear the stories of um, each of you and a few of you are like Andri, you're here just uh, since a week and um, your story here with Global is starting but the cool thing is that it's actually not about um, Global but it's actually about um, Jesus as we see in the flywheel. And he's the sender, and then those notches around discipleship and um, servant leadership. And I think um, God's really, everybody who's here um, has something to do with those notches, I feel like. And then um, we go into the outside of the wheel, which for me is missions. Um, yeah, I feel like when, when I share my story, I really need to just say, Jesus has really spoken about missions or about a calling to serve. I, I don't know if it was understood like that from the beginning of my life, but a full time he was like, my mom was praying and he already said like something set, being set apart over my life there. And so I grew up like that and ended up instead of mili doing military service in Germany, um, and with 20 something, 22 or so, in Bolivia for a year doing homeschooling a missionary son. So I think this is where God really started now speaking to me about missions. Because I lived in this house in South America with those missionaries, um, being there for more than 20 years, and it was like they were breathing missions. And so when we were speaking, they were like, really, no, this is, they were my examples. And um, I think that's the, that's the amazing part for me, how God really is like weaving this, uh, like sending different people um, in our lives and in my life. So this was like the first message that where God said, okay, missions. I was like, okay, but how does this work? So I went on a, an, on a school where I learned about theology and um, got prepared for youth ministry. And um, went afterwards, um, I was a youth minister for three years. And the interesting part for me is you can, how I was working so hard, and I'm from Germany, as most of you know, and the others can hear it on my accent. <laughs> and um, in Germany, we really are very um, rational. And so if you do, for example, a youth program, or if you are youth pastor, it's like really about organizing, having your spreadsheets, having your programs, and doing everything like sometimes even to the minute, even with um, like 15 boys under the age of 10, you have a schedule <laughs> and you enforce it. <laughs> so anyways, after those three years, I was so burned out and I was just telling Jesus, hey, this, can, this is not how it, how it works. And I, now looking back, I realized that it was just the ministry um, I did out of my own strength, and um, there was nothing, in, like there was not, not the power of God involved, which is the Holy Spirit. So I trusted God, but there was like not Him enabling me actually. It was like, okay God, I'm doing this for you, and then you know, you do it. So um, I was so frustrated and said, Jesus, never ministry again. This was in 2014, I think. Went on a pilgrimage through Spain, and I was like, okay, two months, walking through Spain, now God will speak to me. And I was like, afterwards, God didn't speak to me after two months. And I mainly walked alone because I was like, yeah. 
Um, it was really funny how I, but God did something in my heart. I think he tenderized my heart. And um, so this, after this, those two months, I started working as an electrician, which I did before uh, for quite some years. Um, and um, ended up then again, it was almost a year later, after I was so frustrated, um, the guards told me, okay, now it's time to do missions. And I was like, okay, I can do missions. I'm an electrician, I'm going to, I felt God spoke to me about Nepal. I'm going to Nepal and there was an earthquake and I'm gonna rebuild houses, how, what, what I can do. And over different circumstances, God connected me with a missionary who had a very Holy Spirit-filled ministry and took me on a two-month boot camp um, to Nepal where I, was, where I experienced like really God's healing people and um, touching people like the, I remember a few times the, this guy just um, took me in church ministry and said, oh Simon, you have a prophetic word and um, pray over this person. And, and then I was like, uh, okay. And then, you know, God really released something through this um, boot camp in, uh, in my life. Or, oh Simon, yeah, I see um, you have an anointing for this healing, pray just over this guy's knee. And then I prayed and this guy got healed and I was like, I didn't know what happened. <laughs> so yeah, this is how God really challenges us. But actually, um, what happens there, and I think this is where the story of Global started, we went to this church and there was a Global Challenge team in Nepal in 2015. And um, it was like, I was really like so now on this high, the spiritual high, but on the other side also so afraid that I would come back to Germany with all this rationalism and all the faith God built up, like pumped me up, which just crashed down there. And then I met this global team and um, God guided me through that the next year to global, where he really established. And um, I think this is what um, I really experience also now since I'm being part of the missions department or expeditions, how it was called the last few years I was here. Um, that God is walking a road with, uh, with people, like in team life, in traveling, in ministering to others, in being served like through hosts in different nations, and how he is establishing, and in this we call it discipleship, how he is discipling um, each of us in a, in a way. And I feel like discipleship, um, God, like I, I wouldn't three years ago, I wouldn't use this word once, but over the last, um, especially year, God really just unlocked that. And now um, this word discipleship and discipleship is like, um, how under, okay, I, I'm coming to a story now. now. But um, discipleship is like really walking an intentional road with somebody. For many times, like many years, I thought missions is like, um, in 2016, this is an example how I really understood missions is, we came from Cuba and landed in Mexico, and we didn't have we didn't have a ministry points there. But um, so um, in in Mexico, and we had a very low budget. So it was really amazing how God spoke to us. He has prepared everything. We landed there in the airport. <coughs> um, immigration officer standing our passports became our man of peace invited us to his church because he wasn't only an immigration pastor, I mean, miniature minister, not immigration officer, but also a pastor. 
and um, in that like provided a place and a uh, very important place to minister to for us because like in this place we as a team experienced first healings like where people got healed and it was like just you know arriving in a miracle story trust God's God raised faith in us and in the church to continue with miracles and I thought this is what missions is about and this is what um, to, to experience miracles and everybody is like this ooh ah you know like and they, people are stirred with faith to also trust God or challenge to also trust God and then it happens automatically you know that they now also want more of God but what I saw is like you can in my own life also you can experience be on fire a lot but then daily life comes you go back to work and those miracle stories like they just crash down or you even forget them and you continue in a normal way and um, for me the beautiful thing here the last year in expeditions is to really um, walk a road with with people and be discipled in that like I would, didn't even call it in the beginning discipleship, but it's like with house church leaders, with friends coming over like Jason, popping in um, for tea without um, any, like he never tells us that he's, he comes, <laughs> but he just pops in. And this is how we, like, then we speak about different, really like our life journeys, about fun things, but about, also about God, and how we shape each other in that. Um, I think this is discipleship and missions is so like if we look what missions is Jesus says the great commission this which is the mission commission is like go and make disciples and um, into all nations but so missions is like going into all nations but it's also happening here if wherever discipleship is happening so yeah um, this was uh, for me a big um, big thing actually to strive for the power of God and um, but on the other side to also see that it actually happens in journeying with each other and um, to also really this is my hope now for this next season in missions that this happens like even more intentional really walking a journey of discipleship working a journey together with each other and um, seeing then really God being more released in our lives um, yeah I think with that I open the floor and want to hand over to Jake, who is um, yeah, one of the first community members here. Thanks, Simon. That makes me feel a little bit old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love, I love the way, I love everyone's stories, how they got to know of Global Challenge. Um, just the different ways the Lord actually reaches people and bring them in. It can distant, close by, wherever. So that's always great to hear how people got to know this community. Um, Lisa Turkerst, I don't know if that's how you pronounce her name. I don't know how many know her as an author. Uh, she wrote the book, uh, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. And, and she basically explains how to better uh, process unmet expectations and, and painful situations. Also then how to um, find truth in, in God's word and also you know, find peace in those situations, uh, those painful situations. And I actually feel um, when she says I'm not supposed, it's not supposed to be this way, I feel like I'm not supposed to be here right now. Um, just thinking, 
just thinking of one's youth and 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 thinking that um, you know I've I've I've, I've managed to um, escape a lot of uh, uh, punishment and trouble, which which I probably deserve, you know, and and um, uh, you know the ways that you you know bad behavior, um, bad decisions, maybe um, sometimes even like reckless decisions, and I could really see the Lord's grace over my life specifically um, when you actually look back in it. You know, you don't understand it in in that process, but you actually see, wow, that's the that's the golden thread through is his grace um, in every situation. Um, and so, yeah, my, the, the topic is, is mission, and we all claim or strive to to live missionally. And I, I just um, looked up that word, and um, it's it's basically the adoption of the posture, the thinking the practices of a missionary, right? And a missionary being one that's sent to promote his or her faith. And, but my wife actually uh, said this is, forms part of my story and we want to add something to missional living and what it means. And it, for us, missional living is also to align yourself with the right people, right? Mm-hmm. Align yourself with, with people with the same morals, the same values, the same heart, you know? And, and, and I think that's true because that um, brings a lot of success to the purpose and the mission that God called you is the people around you and how they affect you and how they challenge you um, and how they let you think out of the box. So just, we just wanted to add that. So I just want to quick uh, give an overview of my story just of how God aligned me with the right people and, and, and put those people in place and those meetings with the right people and I think the first one is um, uh, I worked in England in London 2006 and Stefan Stefan Klein being on world race then came to do marketing for the following year as global challenge now for the first time and he spoke at uh, the Esau Gemeente in London and I don't know for how long probably 10 minutes and I was hooked I was sold and and um, he made it sound like it was the amazing race. <laughs> and I've always wanted to be part of the amazing race and actually do it. I've even tried to enter it. And um, yeah, not knowing what it, what it actually means, you know, what do you do? There was, there, was, there was nothing. There was, that was it. That was, you sign up and you have to be there the next year. <laughs> and then we'll see from there. We'll take it from there. So, so 2007, I did Global Challenge. And I think that the key in that, again, is just meeting missional people, you know, that affects you, um, that affects your, per- uh, your, your perspective and, and the way you think, the way you live. And just a couple of these guys are, uh, some of you know them, Pastor was son in Thailand, um, after the tsunami, he had got a massive ministry in building homes, and lots of us um, actually served there. And just his... Is shining light in that in those devastating of places. Um, that changed how you think. That changed, you know, your own morals and your own heart. Another guy, um, Thomas, was Thomas in India. Some of you have heard about him and all his orphanages. And again, just the effect that that guy has on hopeless situations. Um, another guy is, is Ben in Guatemala. Just see how someone can 
live a life, you know, from their home, just live a missional life without restrictions, you know, giving it all and, and not scared to give it all, not scared to risk, um, you know, for the purpose of God and for the glory of God and to let this kingdom come and, and be seen. And, and they live like that. And, and knowing that, um, you know, I was, I was already studying architecture, it was between my degrees, and, you know, it, it makes you think, you know, where you're going back to and how you're actually going to live. So, um, I took two years out. I went back to do my master's in architecture and um, battling with a, with a question and coming back with, with all these stories and things that, that touched your heart and how to live, how to live missionally in such a place was, is tough. Um, I then... Uh, after my studies, I, I came to, to Jeffreys Bay. I did another um, journey, Hidden World, that we went through the South and Central Americas, through the Amazon, and, and just with another guy, we, we pioneered that. And again, just being changed by people and their ministries and, and what they do, um, and, and how they live, um, and how, the, how they have community around them. Um, came back in... 2011, we sort of formed then churches like um, house churches in Global Challenge, and um, I just felt in my heart God gave me the scripture of, you know, you you are called to open the eyes of the blind, to set the captives free, to release those in dungeons and in darkness, and and we took that up literally, and we um, started crashing waves. It's a house. It was a house church there at the ocean across Checkers under a lamppost. And again, the people who, who was with us in that, that was a, a Cornelius, a Elsebe, Luzon, Lali, there's a couple of others who just, um, that was our focus. And, and we just saw the Lord, it was a couple of homeless, 12 homeless people. We even let them spend an evening, slept over in our house. Um, and, and just to, to love on that and just to bring light to, to those places in darkness. And, Again, a, a defining moment, and again, people who shared the same values, people who journeyed with you on that. Um, that a couple of years later, that ended, um, unfortunately. Um, some of the guys actually stole some of our community stuff. So, <laughs> um, so they and and um, we actually were at church in the shacks in the township for a couple of months, um, you know, to be among them, and. Yeah, it, it, that didn't work out well. But um, we just felt God called us to that. And, and we don't know, you know what he did with that and how he used us. We, we'll probably never know. Maybe up, up there with the Father, we'll, we'll ask him that. But um, again, just, just being obedient to what God asks of you. And then however, you know, his perspective is, is different than ours. Um, and then... Later on, for 2012, 2016, we, uh, I'm an architect. I started an architectural company with a, with a couple of people. And I'm still, it, it's still a battle to, to, to how to be missional in the marketplace. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's still a tough question and I've been really battling it because I felt like, you know, I'm from, I've got this DNA of global challenge and this missional heart. But for me to actually portray and live it out in the marketplace, I find that super tough. Um, and, 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 but we recently find that, um, I, I prayed a lot about the Lord bringing the right people 
um, into our office, you know, with the same heart. Mm. And, and we've recently got someone like that. And it, it changes the atmosphere, it changes, you know, our outlook. You know, we've, we've, we've become, we, we started doing projects in the community with our skills that, that the Lord has given us. And we, we just felt the Lord is moving. And I, I for a couple of years, I thought it, it felt, felt to me dead. I'm doing architecture and I love architecture, but there was a separation between missional living, you know, my heart being missional, and actually to, to mm. get that um, cipher, you know, flow in my business. And I, I take a lot of inspiration from, from First Light and how the guys do business there. And, and um, yeah, that, that just encouraged me whenever they shared stories of how they're going about business. I'm so inspired and, and um, I, I'm, I'm so encouraged and try to bring that values into, into our office as well. Um, so I think I, I just want to close by, by, by just saying um, you know, Jesus had a mission and, and we have a mission. And you know, we are called to mission and living and that, that's what we say. And it's really about you know, identifying with the people around you and if, if those people draw and, and um, portray the, the values and the, the heart that you have. And, and so if that's, if that's this place and this environment and, and these people, then actively belong here. You know, um, be a part of it. Um, make yourself part of it. And, and if it doesn't, that, that's, that's fine. You know, it's about surrounding you with the right people and, and that encourages you and that challenges you and that puts you on new levels. Um, yeah, good. Thank you, Jakes. Um, so yes, good morning. My name is Johan, for those who don't know me yet, or can't read here. Um, so this is an open invitation. So if there's any question mark in my story or anything that you're uncertain, like, well, I would like to know more about, that automatically is a coffee invitation to come and visit <laughs> myself, my wife, my uh, five kids. So, um, so yeah, so there will def hopefully will there be a few question marks, so you're so welcome. They hold a record for the most kids. It's not a competition, <laughs> um, but you will see that in the global community as well. Competition is uh, challenges, things like that. It's um, part of the fun, like amazing race. Uh, so yes, let's think 17 years ago, you would find me in Pretoria, just arrived there to study chemical engineering. Excited to do this, not necessarily because I wanted to be an engineer formally, I rather wanted to be like an entrepreneur with an engineering background. So that's where I was at. Um, at the end of my second year, you would find me crying before the Lord because it doesn't make sense for me to continuously study if there's people in the world dying not knowing Christ and wanting to stop studying because... Uh, I had an opportunity then to go smuggle Bibles into Vietnam with open doors, and I wanted to take it. Um, but I just say thank the Lord for my parents, for their wisdom you know, in different seasons of my life. So um, I did not stop studying because the Lord told me and my parents both that I needed to continue studying. It's part of building a foundation, although I will not use it formally as an occupation. But that would be part of... It's like studying theology for other people. For me, it was studying engineering. Um, I needed to learn how to pray uh, through the difficult exams and all of those things. So then um, move on to the end of 2008 or middle 2008. You would have found me, yeah, 
leading short and outreaches, being radical for the Lord, having a heart for our nation, having a heart for the nations, um, but not necessarily knowing what to do when I finish studying. So uh, those university years were really foundational in a sense for shaping my heart for people and for the lost. Um, my university years were more for the lost than what it was for my actual studying. And uh, so, yes, during those, the, my final year, actually a few friends of mine approached me and said, Johan, this is other people I made. We go on short-term outreaches, three weeks, ten days, two weeks. They're crazy. They pack their bags and go for it for nine months or ten months and this is a global challenge. So, um, so I decided to, to check it out. And long story short, the Lord provided all the funds, everything. So 2010 was on a year journey uh, with Northbound. That was the first Northbound, actually. Um, back then, it was, uh, we were like 45 people that signed up for the year, and then they split it into, well, multiplied into Northbound, Southbound, and Explore Africa. So at the end of um, that year, 2009, um, I wasn't certain what to do, what's up next. According to me, I'm like, yes, this is now like a springboard, nations, here I come. Uh, back then it was Syria or South Sudan. Those were the countries in my heart to go and, and visit and stay in. And, um, and then the invitation came actually for, for a team to be part of the school, the start of the school. So a quick funny story. When at our debrief, when they came and said, "Okay, we would like to you know hear more," there will be at this time there will be a session talking about the school. Um, my plans were, go, were to go to the main beach and not go and visit the session to find out more about the school because I had no intention of being part of a school. Um, but some of my friends were interested and they wanted to just have a soundboard afterwards. Just come with listen with me that I can just, you know, bounce it afterwards, you know. So I decided, okay, for their sake, I will go to the invitation. So I listened it through, heard all the details, uh, and it was interesting, exciting, but my mind, my idea of missions was still 1040 window going there. You know, that was where I was at. Um, and around about, what was it, 14 December 2009, the Lord clearly told me I need to come to be part of the school. I need to be here in Jeffrey's Bay. Yes, also with you know, discipling learners, that's what it will be about. And uh, also go and visit Syria and South Sudan and other countries because teachers have holidays as well. Um, four times a week, oh, four times, no, not a week, sorry, a year. So, um, yeah, you ask a teacher, any teacher, there's no holiday in between, so it's a lot of work. You just sleep for those holidays. Um, so yeah, so then I became part of the school, thinking it would be like a one-year journey, like a one-year commitment. End of my first year, the Lord just said, well, I didn't tell you anything else, you need to stay. So I stayed on, grateful for the fact that I stayed on another few years, because that's when I met my wife, and we got married at the end of 2012, and, um, and then every year... I actually already had a like, farewell party at the school, the end of my second year. I already said, now I resign. I'm, I don't know what's next, but I resign. And I had a farewell party and all of that. And the beginning of the next year, the Lord said, no, I didn't tell you anything. You need to stay. So I welcomed myself back at the school again. You know, I still have the photo with the farewell party and all of that. Um, 
and then continued here. And it was quite tough because I had difficulty seeing that school was a legitimate platform for doing missions and reaching people. Uh, and that's sometimes where we're at in life. We see, no, you have to be the pastor or the domineer, you have to be a missionary somewhere, or you have to be working, a, serving at a soup kitchen somewhere, you have to be there to do the Lord's work, to be part of what His kingdom is. But that's not true. No, He calls people to be part of His kingdom in every walk of life. Just as legitimate as it is to go to another nation to be missionaries there. Because clearly the Lord calls people to do that. And, um, and I know He is calling us as a family to eventually do that as well. But He also calls people to be engineers, to be teachers, to... Um, be sound engineers, to be you know, doctors, to, be in, to walk in all walks of life, you know, to serve Him, to build His kingdom there. So, yeah, I've, it's my 12th year at the school, and um, it changed. In 2017, He clearly said, no, now you stay. I am commissioning you to stay here for this season. And um, it's been the most exciting season of my life. And I can honestly tell you that. It's not without sacrifice. It's not without um, less sleep. Um, it's, it's definitely not without confrontation and being misunderstood or conflict and things like that. You know, parents, I do the discipline at the school. So conflict is there. Um, but think of this. It's a... You have a captive audience from 7.30 in the morning all the way to at least 2 o'clock where you can share God's stories. You can share what He's doing. You can share who He is in your life. You can practically share, hey, wow, the Lord provided for us a vehicle. Look at this. You know, He gave us a car and type of thing. You can, you can share your stories coming back from others. You can share um, stories in school, how He provided for everything to see around you. And the amazing thing is when you start sharing stories of what he did in learners' lives and seeing him setting people free from wanting to commit suicide or having a struggle with um, emotional well-being, you know, cutting themselves and the Lord turns them around or miraculously saves them or heals them. And um, there's many stories like that. Or kids being afraid, saying, sir, you know, I played around with this occultic game, I don't know how to get rid of you know, the consequences of it. And the Lord sets them free. Mm. And the Lord shows His love towards them. And He's calling us as a community to express Him in every walk of life. So yes, for me to come to the school was actually also through expeditions. And then not thinking I will be part of the school, it ended up being part of the school. And I'm so grateful. I could have missed out on what the Lord wanted to do here and what He wanted to do in my own heart as well. I could have missed out on so much by not paying attention to what He's saying. So, um, yeah, there's, there's many stories, but I have one minute left, so let me quickly share one. Um, our, uh, we've got this uh, annual trolley race. It's like a tradition. Who has took part in the trolley race? Yeah, yes, Andre has won it as well. That's why he's so excited, his team. So um, that's my brother-in-law, for those who do not know. And um, yes, the trolley race is a lot of fun. The, we do 15-minute laps, and 
You can train for the Comrades Marathon, it's not a sufficient preparation for trolley race. <laughs> Our very first trolley race was a whopping 45 minutes long. Okay? Yes, we ran that and we ran it three times. But this, by the second round, we only did half an hour, the third round, we only did 15 minutes because we couldn't walk anymore. Um, on that day, we had pillow fighting competition as well. And um, various interesting things that you associate with school and Buddha sport and stuff like that. And with that comes a bunch of injuries as well. So, on that same day, one of our learners' knee dislocated. Uh, Inika Lopes, for those who know Inika, you can ask her yourself about this. So, just coming back from a year journey, what do you do with a dislocated knee? Well, you still rush to the hospital, but what's the very first thing you do? You stabilize and you pray, right? Now, you make sure that the knee is okay and you pray. So, that's what we did. So, we quickly built a little stretcher and we got it into Donovan's car, the Honda Jazz back then still. Um, and while we're in the car, it's just like, okay, no, wait, we need to pray. And um, it was um, Donovan, Inika's mom, myself and Paul, the Plessis, for those who know Paul, and we just prayed. And I remember us praying these words, Lord, may your knee be back in place before they reach the hospital. That was one of the the prayers we prayed and as they left almost driving over my foot um, and because obviously it's an emergency you want to go you want to take the person to the hospital we continued praying and I remember Paul praying this you know yes Lord let they just hear this popping sound as it gets back into place and um, when they arrived at polyclinic and the guy took away the bandages wanted to take a look at the knee it was perfectly in place and he said but you guys said it's dislocated. And Enix said, yes, it was. But I heard this popping sound just as we entered the parking lot of the hospital. And so the Lord miraculously recovered her knee in that way um, that you would expect on a year journey or things like that. But, that. but see, that's the Lord. He does things here, there, everywhere. Now He wants to fill the whole world with His presence and with His love and with His mission to make disciples and that's exciting to see that happening at the school, to have learners come back after school to be part of this, to hear them going out or being this rebellious one and then actually coming back and say, but the Lord has captured my heart. Mm -hmm. And um, that's worth it. That's worth giving your life for. And this is not a call to come to the school. This is a call to say yes to whatever the Lord has for you and whatever He is calling you to. Mm. So... Um, the journey continues, and He's still Lord. And it's not one that you see the miraculous every day and, and always, you know, um, but it's also one that you experience His comfort in times of hardship and trouble and loss. Um, I think last year we went through a very, very difficult season of loss, you know, especially during November at the school. And, um, but I can truly look back and see the Lord pulling us closer, you know, comforting us in that way. So, um, yeah, my, pray, my prayer for you is to experience this and more in whichever area the Lord is calling you to function in. So, yeah, thank you for your time. Dineen. Thank you. Okay, I want to invite you just to stand up quickly. And then I just want to teach you a quick song. It's an old song <laughs> that we, uh, that we sang. It's go it goes like this. Spring rolls, spring rolls, <laughs> so you sing spring rolls. Okay, that's a Sounds like this for you, mate. Okay, James, go for it. Mm -hmm. 
Spring roll, spring roll. Suck is up, spring roll. Okay, let's everybody try. One, two, three. Spring roll, spring roll. Suck is in, spring roll, spring roll. That's a funny introduction to speak about community. But if you, if you want to learn about this community, so I just want to see who's new, who's new to the community. Two, three. Okay, who's, I've been here for about a year. Okay, okay. <laughs> and yeah, I don't think <laughs> it's longer. Yeah. So, um, in this community, we sing a lot and we dance a lot and we like to have fun. Um, <laughs> um, and we are also very humble. I just want to say, Jake's actually designed the school. This was his first project, if you didn't know that. Um, mm -hmm. I think he did a well. You know, we thought he was crazy. He was sitting there in front of his computer, him and Anne, like, talking about this school. And we had no idea what he was uh, building. And this is what came out. So, we, yeah, Jake's, it's still, I think, the best thing you ever designed. <laughs> um, okay, but I want to share about, like, there's a lot of highlights I can share about community and in my life with community. But I, I want to share a low light. I think that's where the value lied for me. It was in the in the low lights in, in my life. So I'm going to go way back to, to 2010. I don't feel as old as James, but <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So 2010, we were two wide-eyed uh, students that just had our first year of work done, me and David, and we decided to quit our jobs and come and try this thing called Global Challenge. <laughs> And we were to lead a team of uh, 15 young people around the world. Um, David was an engineer at Nissan. I was done with my first year's articles at the accounting firm. And we just thought, man, isn't there more to life than <laughs> this journey that we're starting on now? Okay. And we got a phone call and Anne-Marie said, oh, don't you guys want to come lead the team? And it was a no-brainer for us. We just quit everything, sold our little that we had, and we came here. And then started the most exciting journey. We, we had training um, that first two months, and it's so much fun. It was just like there was, you made new friends, you saw things, miracles happen. But it was, yeah, it was an absolute highlight. Like, you, you um, do Survivor in the bush, and you... Uh, we went to the Transca and you had to catch pigs and it was it was crazy like thinking back you hitchhiked for the first time um, so you were kind of exposed to this adventurous life and then at the end of two months we were excited this is our this was a dream for me for many years to go and we were just about to embark um, so let me just backtrack a little like a little my my parents came to visit my parents when when the two of me and my brother left the house they um, saw the opportunity and they each got themselves a nice big BMW motorcycle, <laughs> okay? And I guess that's where the adventure comes from. So my mom is very adventurous. She actually bungee jumped here at Lothrans when she was about in her 50s. And she skydived. And um, yeah, she, it runs in the family a little bit, I think. And uh, I remember 
there was a, a, I don't know if you have heard of Sony and Paul, they're from India. So in India you have these little scrambler bikes. So when um, my parents were here with the BMW, Sony's biggest dream was to just ride on the back of the BMW with my dad. So he took her and I, I'm sure they did something illegal because she came back so excited. She was like glowing about this bike ride that she went on. So it was just a, a wonderful time. People got baptized there in the Marina Martinique at Tanifili's house. It was um, beautiful. Okay. Then we had to go back home and we were to fly out. Our first country was Greece for me and David and the team. And we were to fly out the Monday. And the Sunday, um, my parents were away for the weekend. They did a, a rally with the motorcycles out, um, in Lesotho. It was one of the roads with the most turns. And I was expecting them around the afternoon and they're going to take us to the airport the next day. And I got a phone call and it was my dad and he couldn't speak. And the only thing that he could get out was, your mom was in an accident. And it was like my whole world stopped. It, I couldn't believe it. I almost couldn't breathe. It was a shock. We never went through anything like that as a family before. And what had happened was, it was early Sunday morning, and my dad always drives behind her to protect her, but she wants to drive on her own bicycle. And they were with a team, and a young man was walking back from the Shabin, and he was drunk, and he just walked in front of her. And he was killed on impact, and my mom was thrown into the air, and her whole face was shattered. Her jaw was gone, her nose was gone, her eyes were gone. And she was lying there next to the road. Um, and the miracle, the grace was that they were with a team of medical doctors. So they could actually stabilize her. They did an emergency tracheotomy next to the road. And they took her to Bethlehem. And this happened in Friesburg. But for me, I mean, something like that. Just you, you come from this highlight, this extreme high in your life. And the next moment, you plummet down into this extreme, extreme low, low time and immediately um, Anna Marie got on a plane and she flew to Pretoria and I, I remember afterwards feeling so bad because I didn't, we didn't accommodate her, we just kind of asked friends to look after her but she was there, she was and the community was praying and um, the guy that was to operate on my mom said, why should I even rebuild the face of somebody that's brain dead, you know, that was the, the extent of her injuries and we kept praying and Clara came and she had to take the team. Immediately all of that was dealt with and, and we were in this waiting game of will she make it, will she be okay? Um, and we, you just kind of live day to day when you're in that trauma. And after a week or two they said, you know what, she's going to live. She, she's going to live, we don't know if she's brain dead, unfortunately we can't say that, she's in an induced coma. And after a month, my parents and our friends said, listen guys, it doesn't help that you're here. She's still going to be here for three months. You should go. But it was so heavy to go. It was so... And our, our heart's desire was just to kind of make contact with her before. And I remember going to greet her. And I held her hand. And our, we asked her, can she hear us or something? And, and I felt her squeeze my hand. And I knew that she wasn't brain dead. So... With that heavy heart, and that's after we helped with the admin at home and everything, we got on the plane. 
But you know, going on a year journey, it's just your heart is in two places because it's exciting, it's your dream, it's like these countries, but then always in the back of your heart, it's like, is she okay? You know, who's gonna help her? And I, in the middle of the year, it was almost like this. So I could Skype with her and they, we kept contact, but it wasn't like I was with her. And in the middle of the year, they had a, a conference here at one of the churches and um, Anne-Marie was there and she, I didn't know about this. And she said, listen, we've got one of the team leaders that's mom went through this and we just want to ask for money for a plane ticket for her to come back to help her mom when she gets out of the hospital. And she said, and this is the amount that we need. And everybody gave the little that they could give. And in the end, it was the exact amount that they asked for after the, the offering. And she phoned me and she said, you can come back. You can help your mom for two weeks and then you can go back on the year journey. And, and for me, that was, I come from Pretoria North, guys. You know, there, it's rough. It's, well, not from Pretoria, just next to Pretoria North. I didn't know community. I didn't know what it was like. For well, there, it's like each one is your own. And you learn to fight from a young age. And if you've grown up there, you've fought a couple of times. Um, so this is so new to me. People actually praying for me, caring about me. Um, I'm not going into the detail, but later on when my mom was actually stabilized today, she's completely blind. And she can't smell, she can't taste. But she's alive. And we still have her with us. And I remember the first time she visited, the community made a space for her to share her testimony and her story. And it was the first time she ever spoke. And people were so caring. And that very, it encouraged her so much. And they asked questions. And they were sympathetic. And they loved her, just like they do. And that boosted her. That became a ministry for her to go to churches and actually speak in front of people. But it was here that somebody said, don't you want to take the opportunity to share? We, we really want to hear your story. Mm. And yeah, I can share a couple of other things as well about community, but that was the first taste of what community can be like. Um, and I want to invite you guys to that. I want to invite you to... Community isn't... A th like, it's not like you're going to sit here and say, oh, okay, come, bring it to me, you know? I want, I want to try this thing. <laughs> you engage first, and you say, I, I want to be here, and I want to bring something to the table. And then when everybody brings a little bit, we all stand back and we see, oh, wow, oh, wow, this is, this is amazing. I, this, nobody could have orchestrated this, you know? Um, and that's with so many, with so many building projects. I, I used to do the finance. We would say, we would wait, we would pray for this one donor to just give us the million rand that we need. We would pray, and this this one, we just need one. And in the end, it wouldn't work, and we'd start with the project. We would say, okay, can everybody just give a little bit? Then we would have the hundred hearts. And if everybody gives a heart of a thousand rand, then we can finish the roof of the school, or we can throw the foundation. And then in the end, we would stand back and be in awe that there wasn't one big amount. It was always... Everybody just giving a little bit, coming to the table. Um, these days we have functions and we would ask people to bring food. And I was just so touched. We, we did a nation's one and there was 20 dishes. And I phoned the 20 people and I said, can you bring... And it's hard work. And people would tell me, listen, I've never cooked this before. I've never even made this. But each one of them said yes. 
there wasn't one that said no. The one that said no was going to a funeral of a mom. So that was, that's the heart of being here. If you want to be a part, bring, bring your share. Don't sit at home. Don't disengage. Um, bring something. Ask. And we need that. We need what you have. Um, yeah, that's, that's the story. I, I, and may you be blessed with community. May you find, may you learn how to be community. Mm. I had to learn. I had to learn to be um, hospitable. I didn't know what it looked like to invite people into my house. I had to learn how to care for somebody that's grieving. I didn't know before. I just said, oh, somebody else will do it. Now I know I'm the first one to say, hey, I've got something to tell you. Um, so engage, guys. Go for it. <laughs> cool. Thanks. Um, I told you about foundational words. The one, one of the foundational words, this is the epicenter of a move of God, is the gospel reach the nations. One of the things Uncle Joe said to us, we were ready to say, Lord, where do you, like all of you guys, where do you want to take us, Lord? We are going around the world to see if the Lord wants to place us somewhere. And then Joe prophesied, and I don't, I don't even think about it. He said, yes, you will go to the nations, but the Lord is destined for you to be part of the epicenter. You know? And we had no function. Um, net, uh, even when you started here, there was someone else doing the finance. We had no function coming back the second year after our global challenge journey. We just knew the Lord wanted us to be here. And it became difficult because we didn't have money. I remember somebody, the first month, somebody, had, somebody anonymously dropped groceries in front of our door and knocked on the door and ran away. <laughs> um, and, and I would sit here and we would come to a point where we had really nothing. I would sit there at the, at the, um, at the, at the canal and they'd throw rocks into the, the river and say, Lord, but you said we are part of the EPC. You said we're part of the EPC. When crying in our eyes, we all at that stage still fitted in Anna Marie's one bedroom apartment, right? We could all squeeze <laughs> in there, right? And we would, and the Holy Spirit would just be so real amongst us, you know? And uh, you, know, you remember those days, <laughs> It's amazing times. And I remember one of those, I was crying. I said, it's too hard. <laughs> we have to leave now, you know. Um, and the Lord made a way for us ultimately to stay here. You know, in His provision at the right time, He did that. Né? And in this community, I just want to say this. I, I'm not going to have a long story. Né? I want to say this. We saw all our kids being born in this community. And the people cared for us when our kids were born. It's precious. It was precious, right? Uh, uh, we, we will not overtake you, Anna and John, Marie. Um, but, but even with our four boys, you know, um, uh, and this is another story. Even our second boy was in hospital fighting for his life. This community prayed through the night. They had little lanterns. It was a global weekend, right? And we all went away together. And they would take a lantern from the one house to the other one so the next house can start praying. And they prayed through the night, and the next day our boy was healed. Amen. Um, and, uh, and so, so there are so many stories, but on the other side, we lost a daughter, right? And this community wrapped us. Somebody came and planted flowers in our garden. That's the kind of space that we are inviting you into, right? So, it's not an exclusive place, please. It's not an inner circle. There's not an inner circle. I want to say to you, like the next said, you have to just be in it, right? There's not an inner circle, right? If you think about it, we are not actually, we're inviting you into this circle, but more so there is actually a, a smaller inner circle. If you really want to know where the inner inner circle is, is what I shared with you 
that it's the, it's called it, it's the Trinity. Right? John 17, Jesus does this. He says he's praying for these disciples. He says, I'm not only praying for them, I'm praying for all of them who's going to believe. Right? Just including you and me. I'm praying for all of them who's going to believe. And I pray that they would be one as we, and he's talking about, he's praying to the Father, as we are one. Right? And then he says this, he says this, he says, I in them, you in me, so that they would come into perfect unity, complete unity. That's the desire of the Lord of all community. He's actually opening, Jesus with his, at the cross opened his own body, opened the space into, into the Trinity. He says, this is the inner circle I want you to be part of. I want you to step into the inner circle. That is what the Lord invites us actually into. And we, we're going to have a meal together. I don't know where it's at. Somebody maybe should stop praying that it comes, right? But, but we're going to have it as a communion meal, right? And it's not that we're going to have a ritual. We're just going to eat together. But I want you to eat with this perspective in mind. Right? I want you to eat with this perspective and drink with this perspective in mind. Because this is what God did, right? He broke His own body, right? Think about it. I just want to show you how committed God is to unity, to us. I just want to show you how committed... God has for you to be part of His community, right? What He did is this. Think about it. Did Jesus have a body before He came to earth? A human body. Did He? No. He didn't have a human body. It says He received our nature onto Him. Eh? He received the body. And then, when He died and was buried, how was He raised? How was He raised? Did He just become the essence of God that He was before He came to earth? How was He raised? He was raised with a new body, right? It's raised with a new body. A body that the Bible says each one of us will have one day, right? And then what did he do? He went into heaven with that body. See, Jesus is the placeholder in the middle of the inner circle. He's a placeholder for you and me, right? And he's saying, you know, think about it. He's so committed to you that he's taking onto eternity something of you, his creation. Into it, onto himself. It's not just like it's okay that you are here. It's not like God is saying, you, you know, it's okay that you're somewhere in the background in the backyard. He's saying, I'm taking you onto my very nature. I will make that part of you inside of what we, who, who we, or God as the Trinity is. Think about yeah. it. It's a tremendous thought. Yes. But he didn't just do that. He did the second part as well. He didn't leave, he just didn't take our flesh there. He also left something behind in us. What did he leave? Spirit. His spirit. Do you see it? He takes our flesh and he gives his spirit. It's a profound thought. And he's saying, you've got a place in the middle, middle of this inner circle. You've got a place in the middle of the inner circle.